Matt Whitaker, former U.S. Acting Attorney General. This is such a great conversation about America, our future, what's going to save our republic. We have a great football player. Matt Whitaker is here. Matt. They tried to bury me. They didn't realize I was a seed. Whitaker. Former Acting U.S. Attorney General. Under President Trump. I'm going to be an unwavering supporter of law enforcement. Welcome to Liberty and Justice with your host, Matt Whitaker. Welcome to Liberty and Justice. I'm your host, Matt Whitaker. This week's guest is a great patriot and a great friend of mine, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Matt. We've uh, we've shared a, a lot of time together over the last uh, six years, seven years now that we've known each other on the Trump campaign. And then uh, I don't think we've been on Fox together yet uh, at the same time, but uh, we, we make a lot of Fox appearances yeah. together. So. Well, give it some time. I'm sure we'll get to do a panel yeah, we'll or something. Get there. Well, well I think since we the, think alike, they never want two guys to think alike on the same panel. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, heaven forbid you have somebody that, you know, wants the best for their country and wants the people to flourish. I mean, that's, a, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are radical ideas, Dan. Yes, yes, um, radical ideas. We're, we're radical just because we love America. You know, we we want to salute the flag. We want to protect life, the Second Amendment, keep business alive, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's radical these days. You know, yeah, we, we well, give it all to God, and somehow we're radicals because we do that. And I know both of you are strong and believers in our faith and committed to our Lord yeah. and Savior. So, but that's radical today. It's not, and we should not be ever afraid to say that. No. Um, yeah. You know, I think that is so important. Uh, our founding fathers knew how important faith was. Um, you know, and it's just, I think oftentimes the left tries to push faith out of the public square. Um, and you know, that is, I think the wrong instinct. Um, I think the right instinct is, you know, we're a better country, uh, when there's more people of faith, uh, that are in leadership, uh, you know, it's, it's just that simple. I, yeah. You know, Matt, it's interesting. Uh, I don't see a lot of the battles that we have in front of us today, necessarily Republican and Democrat. I, I see darkness and light, um, good and evil. Now both sides can claim good. But so far, the Bible, the Old and the New Testament have been a pretty much a, a standard that you can put your hand on and say, this is the good. You know, Bible basic information before leaving Earth is uh, how you could do B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> and some people don't get that. But I think there's a lot of anger in the country. And some of that anger is maybe with people who don't have the same peace in their lives that maybe believers do. And I, look, I respect all faiths and, and religions. And for those who don't believe, I respect that as well. But just because we believe those of us who are Christians shouldn't, we shouldn't have to hide that under the basket. In fact, the Bible talks about, you know, uh, that yeah. we shouldn't have to do that. And, and the Bible's has said, you know, we will be, we will be attacked for our beliefs. Um, and, and so, you know, I'd rather someone said, uh, Dan, well, you're running for office again. I just got elected, as you know, last year, this was yep. my third term as Lieutenant governor, two years, two terms as Senator. And they said, well, aren't you afraid when you talk about God, it could cost you votes. I said, I'd rather get kicked out of office than kicked out of heaven. Yeah, that, isn't that true? Isn't that so easy. true? Yeah. It's a great frame. So, uh, Lieutenant Governor Texas, it's often said uh, that it's the most powerful lieutenant governor uh, in the country. And so, tell me why that is often said. What is it about the lieutenant governor of Texas that makes it uh, maybe a little more powerful than the sort of just the number two in the line of succession? Sure. So, after the Civil War, um, at least this is what history tells us and has been kind of passed down of why some say Lieutenant Governor is the most powerful 
office in Texas. I disagree with that, by the way. I believe that the governor and lieutenant governor, we have different roles, and that someone like Rick Perry, now Greg Abbott, very strong personalities um, as governor, and also something that's changed because we had the first Republican governor back in the 80s was Bill Clements, and then George Bush came along, of course, before being president, but he had a Democrat speaker in the House uh, and lieutenant governor. So, so it's only been since Rick Perry, it's only been since 2003, Republicans have run the state in terms of every statewide elected office and the majority in the, in the House and Senate. So it's changed the role of the governor a little bit. And, but the history is that uh, the Texans weren't really happy with uh, the kind of the carpet bagging governors that the, the uh, union sent down here after the Civil War. So uh, a lot of powers, not in the Constitution really, but in the rules that we create in the Senate. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, really uh, led to that uh, being the lieutenant governor is powerful. So there are only seven states where the lieutenant governor does not run on the same ticket with the governor. Texas is one of those. So I run separately. I mean, my campaign was $26 million this year. That's a big campaign in Texas because it's a big state for media markets. And the governor probably spent, you know, three times that. But but so we run separately. And what makes this position different in Texas is the lieutenant governor of Texas, and I'm not talking about me personally, but the power of the office is because I appoint every chairman of every committee, I appoint every member of every committee, and the lieutenant governor alone decides which bills comes to the floor. So it's very much like a majority leader. Uh, You know, it's the Chuck Schumer, it's the Mitch McConnell, you know, in in the various states who are listening to this podcast or watching, uh, they most likely have a majority leader of the majority party to make those decisions. And so that's the role of the lieutenant governor. And and that that gives you a, a lot of clout. And of course, uh, I have to have a great body, and I do. We have 31 senators in Texas. Each one represents just under a million people. So it's a, a few senators for a lot of people. And I have great senators. I have 19 Republicans, 12 Democrats. And I always say, Matt, that um, the good things that we do, we've done, we're, we have passed the most conservative bills in history ever out of the Texas Senate. And we continue to do so. It's the work of the senators. They're in the committees. They're on the floor with the debates. They get all the credit, and I give it to them. And if something goes wrong, it's on my shoulders. I just try to make sure nothing goes wrong. Well, what? So, I mean, this. I'm not asking any insider information. I mean, this is a nationwide show, and yeah. so there'll for sure be Texans watching. But what are your legislative priorities? What are you going to bring to the Senate floor uh, this year uh, that you can talk about? And you know, if there's secret bills. Yeah, I'm sure there's not. But like, what did you campaign on? What did you sure. uh, promise your fellow citizens that you would uh, uh, be the advocate and the uh, the leader on? Well, and and it's a great question, even though for people who don't live in Texas, because uh, the truth is, as Texas goes, so goes the nation, particularly the other red states. When we pass a bill, other states will follow very often, no matter what it is. And even the federal government, when Donald Trump was president, he he based some of his legislation uh, on based on what Texas had done before he was ever in office. So it is important. I mean, it's just something like a textbook. We're so big when we order textbooks, they're not going to make a textbook for each different state. So, I mean, California, New York, maybe in Texas. So the red states kind of follow. So it is important. The The biggest thing Matt, coming into this session is, is and there are big issues and I'll, I'll hit those quickly. But the biggest thing is we have somewhere near a $50 billion surplus surplus. I want to put that in perspective. I think the highest we've ever had is six. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, the, the entire budget of Oklahoma or New Mexico together is probably not more than 12 billion. So our, our surplus is 50. We have 29 yes. million citizens. We're a nation state, ninth largest economy in the world, soon to pass uh, Italy to be the eighth largest. I think they're ahead of us. And uh, we'll catch them very quickly. But 
I was on Tucker Carlson, uh, Matt, in March, early March during COVID of 2020. And I did this famous interview, turned out to be that, um, where I said, look, I'm a senior citizen, which I am. I have grandchildren, which I have seven of them. I don't want to shut down the country because of COVID. If it's And in those days, remember, it was all about the seniors were at risk and the seniors were at risk and still at risk. And I urge all of them to be careful with their health. Um, but we'll take care of ourselves. Don't sacrifice the country for the senior citizens. I want this country to be the free country that I grew up in for my children and their children. And so uh, you can't imagine the threats that I received from all around the country. You can't imagine, you know, the, the left said Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, wants to kill senior citizens for the, you know, for the economy. It was just awful. And uh, he had me back. Uh, uh, in fact, Tucker came on and said, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had such reaction for any guest up to that time. Uh, and he had me back six months later and a year later. And we were right. Yeah. And, you know, Florida and Texas opened up soon, Matt. And so this $50 billion surplus, think about this, in large part is because we took off like a rocket ship because we had our kids back in school. We opened our businesses, et cetera, et cetera. Look at New York and California. People are fleeing from those states and and uh, and they're in the hole. So yeah. it's clear what we did was right. So part of this session, Matt, is about the money. And we're going to return a lot of it to the taxpayers. It's their money. We're going to save a lot of it for the future. And that's 50, 50 billion surplus. Plus, we have another 20 billion or more in our rainy day fund. We are in better financial shape than almost all the states combined, almost, and most of the countries on the planet. So it's, you know, how we spend that money is critical. We're conservatives. We don't spend all the money. For our issues, there's no secret that we had a hurricane, not hurricane, winter storm Uri a few years ago, and our grid failed and people died and the economy was hit and businesses suffered. So our number one issue is to be sure that we uh, strengthen the grid with more natural gas power. All this Green New Deal BS is nothing but BS, um, Matt, and it proved it because our wind didn't work. The windmills yes. were frozen. And so all these people would say, we're going to go green. You have to have dispatchable power you can depend on in every state. So that's the big issue. School choice will be a big issue. Um, tax relief, always a big issue. But uh, but that's the, the you know, we were the test case to show that the Green New Deal does not work. Yeah. It does well, not work. And, you know, I will go back to, you know, sort of this idea of, you know, the 50 plus the 20. And, you know, the left, at least in, in my experience before, you know, Republicans took over in Iowa, you know, they always, anytime there was a surplus, they wanted to lock that spending in. They want to, you know, invest, but they're not really investing. They're just, you know, right. throwing money at their uh, at their interest groups, mostly teachers and schools. And that's obviously an important function right. of state government. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't, you know, invest in teachers sure. and schools. What I'm saying is you just can't take your surplus throw it all in, you know, ongoing expenses and then have that locked in. So when the economy, uh, we go into a recession or some other unexpected event that you, you know, you, you've got to all of a sudden you're cutting state government. And I think you made the most important point uh, that I just, I love it. It's music to my ear. Anytime I hear an elected official say that it's the people's money and you, Everybody. you know, I know, know that you believe that because first of all, you, you know, you were more the people than you were ever an elected official. You know, this is yeah. a, you didn't come to politics as a, as a young man. No, I was in my 50s. Yeah, And, and I'd so like you... to say I'm still in my 50s, but I've been doing this a while now. And uh, and, and what, what is important, and, and look at California. A few years ago, 
they had a 50 some billion dollar surplus and then they had a 25 billion dollar deficit they spent all the money what you have and i'm a small business guy i own a I still own a radio station i was a i was a in scranton pennsylvania for your pennsylvania followers i was in WNEP up there back in the 70s. And I was uh, Al Roker and I were two young guys that got hired on WTTG in Washington, D.C. back in the late 70s. And I came to Houston as a, uh, a sportscaster. There's another Dan Patrick, but I'm about 10 years older than the other Dan. And uh, and then that's how I came to Houston. And then I bought a couple of radio stations and a guy called one day by the name of Rush Limbaugh. No one had ever heard of him in 1988. He couldn't get on the air. My radio station had more cows and people listening to it. We were 40th out of 40, I think, in the rankings. I put this guy Rush on. What did I have to lose? And I put him on the air. And within 90 days, we were number one between 11 and two because he was saying the things that people were thinking that no one had. You, you have to. And I love the guy. We became best friends. You have to remember what a what a rebel what a revolutionary show that was. Because in those days, talk radio was ask a doctor, ask the farmer, you know, what's your favorite recipe? Where'd you go on your summer vacation? Don't talk about God. Don't talk about politics. Rush broke those barriers down. He is the Babe Ruth of AM radio. He is the Babe Ruth of Fox News. I mean, he started it all. I mean, Sean Hannity started filling in for him and became Sean Hannity. So so that's my background. And I'm a business guy. And and I and I just look at it as, as business. And and uh, so it, it is about it, it is about managing the money. We did something, Matt in Texas, uh, and I've been trying to do this for a while, we finally got it passed. We uh, passed a constitutional amendment that the people ratified easily that we cannot increase spending more than population and inflation. So out of this $50 billion surplus we have, we can only spend about 12 billion without raising the cap or busting yeah. the cap. We're not gonna bust the cap. And see, that's the problem with the federal government. Every state, except I think Vermont, has a balanced budget. Our founders were beautiful in writing the constitution except two things, term limits, and a balanced budget. And so in Washington, when they get extra money, they spend it on things they can't maintain. So that's why they borrow more to maintain them. In Texas, in the budget I've just introduced uh, with uh, Joan Huffman, my, my, my chair of finance, the budget we've introduced, Matt, our big dollars are like one-time investments. When we decide to give raises to teachers, when we decide to put more money into law enforcement, property tax cuts, we have to be sure we can maintain that. Because you can't go back and take it back. I mean, people, you know, and I, I mean, if there's a terrible depression or whatever, we understand those things can happen. And you have to cut. Uh, but we hope that doesn't happen under Biden. It could uh, not a depression, but we could have a deep recession. But my point is you have to budget that money and spend it, Matt, so you can afford to keep doing certain things, which are programs and on the bigger items. And people say, well, what are you going to do if you can only spend 12 with the other 38? Well, we'll save some of it. And we can do some constitutional things that where we can spend some one-time dollars and do some one-time really good things. Um, and that's what we'll do. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it doing things that are in the best interest of the, you know, your fellow citizens yeah. so that they, you know, have a prosperous future. I mean, it's, you know, it's, again, it's stuff that we just know in our, you know, it's woven into our DNA almost, but just it's amazing that the people on the left don't get this. Um, but, you know, again, it's just different. Um, well, I think there's a, I think there's a, a lack of business experience by a lot of Democrat yeah. candidates. And by the way, the Democrat Party is not the Democrat Party that it, it used to be. It's been taken over by the left. And you know what? I blame the moderate Democrats. There aren't many left, but I blame the Democrats for letting the woke left take over their party. That's their problem. And yeah. we now have to take on the woke left. We're facing, we're facing a different opponent now. And, and so uh, they just don't have a lot of business people in their party. And some of the things they say are just ridiculous. Let me give you an example on EVs, electric vehicles, biggest scam ever. 
Um, the if you take four electric vehicles and charge them for at, at the same time at a station, you know, a charging station out front of a 50,000 square foot department store, they use as much power in 20 minutes charging four vehicles as that whole 50,000 square foot department store does during that 20 minutes. And, and they talk about, um, you know, electric vehicles are going to be great. Who's going to buy a car that when you bring it home overnight, you have to charge it for seven hours? Or you go to the gas station, it takes you 20 minutes to get semi, a semi-charge. People don't want to be in the gas station these days for more than five minutes. It's not a good place right. to be. And so you're going to go to the gas station 20 minutes to get a semi-charge. And what if you're like the 20th car in line waiting? Because now you go in, you go out. 20 minutes at a time for a car? It's People aren't just aren't going to do it. And, you, and you're going to be driving around the country and you're, you're going to spend half your time looking where you can get a charge. I mean, I, look, I'm renewables are fine. Uh, helps clean the air and all those things are fine, but they have overdone it. And electric vehicles are just a part of it. They'll, they'll be a part of American transportation, sure. but they're not choice, this idea yeah. of it's going to be all electric vehicles in 25 or 50 years in California. What did they do the first day after he said that? Newsom said, don't plug in tomorrow. We don't have enough power. <laughs> and where do they think the power comes from? Yeah. Natural it's gas to create the electric. These people are goofy. Yeah. So we only have a few more minutes yes. here. I mean, this time goes so fast yeah. and you're such a great guest. But what, um, I guess a two-part question. Uh, and there's, you know, one is I'd like you just to talk a minute about kind of, you know, Texas is clearly wildly successful. You know, there's, there's em people emigrating here, both domestically and internationally. I know yeah, that nice. that's, a, that's an issue, but it, uh, hopefully we can get some, our handle on. Um, you know, what's what's been the key to Texas? Is it just lower taxes, less regulation, or is there more to it? Is it more like it, uh, something about the, the people that are here and the, you know, the can-do spirit? And then second, I want to hear just a little bit. I know you did this big bus tour right before you yes, got reelected. Yes, yes. And I really want to hear kind of what was on the, the people's mind as they, you know, they were able to like tell you. Uh, what they thought you should do or what they appreciated about, you know, their, you know, their, the, the role that you play. And I'd I'd love to get a little flavor of your bus tour. Okay. So uh, let me do the second one first. And I'll finish on the first one. So real quick, I did a, uh, I had a double decker bus. It, uh, it burned uh, a lot of expensive Joe Biden diesel uh, oil, uh, gasoline. And uh, we did 130 cities in 17 days. You know, Texas is a big place. You know, when you cross the border from Louisiana into Texas to Texas to New Mexico, it's over 700 miles. That's like the whole East Coast almost. Okay. It's mm -hmm. a long way. So a lot of places to go. So we went all over rural Texas and uh, I just met the greatest people. It's a highlight of my life. Forget the politics of it. Uh, great food everywhere. Great sites. I met, uh, visited, visited. We did eight, 10, 12 stops a day. Uh, and they want the border secure. We're doing all we can, sending buses up. We normally spend $400 million a year on border security of our money. We're Now we're up to uh, $2 billion plus a year. I mean, of our taxpayer money, we shouldn't have to do that. Um, we, we just need a new president in 24. You know, it was under control, as you know, the last year of Trump, and it's a disaster. Yep. So that the bus tour was wonderful. I loved it. Uh, you know, you have to remember this, Matt, and I want to say this quick before we run out of time and answer your number one, is... America is now a red country, if it's, but it's rural America. And Texas, rural Texas, 20 years ago was Democrat. These were conservative Democrats. Obama mm -hmm. ran them out, and now the woke's running the rest of them out. So we're, we as a party in Texas will lose Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and, and Austin, 
but we will win 77% of the vote as we did. Abbott and I again run separately. We both got 77% of rural Texas. If you look at Ohio, it's all red except Cleveland, Cincinnati. Uh, North Carolina, red except Raleigh and Charlotte. Pennsylvania, all red except Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Georgia, all red, pretty much except Atlanta and a few other mid-sized cities. And so it's America's red. And uh, and so that that's where we are. And, and we have to remember that. And, and so to your first question, what makes us unique? Everybody just loves Texas. You grow up watching Westerns. You think John Wayne made all of his movies in Texas. Most of them are in Monument Valley in Utah or Arizona, but they some made in Texas, the Alamo, for example. So there's a part of Texas, we all want to be a cowboy, okay? Um, yeah. Secondly, we don't have an income tax here. Uh, we have relatively low cost of housing uh, compared to other states. It's gone up a little bit with inflation. Uh, we are the place you can still come and live the American dream. Businesses, we passed tort reform uh, 20 years ago, one of the first things Rick Perry did. And so frivolous lawsuits are out of the way and that attracts businesses. We have, we're the fourth lowest cost of energy. Uh, so you're, you know, businesses are paying 35 cents a kilowatt in some states and 10 cents here. So they, they come here. Uh, so all of those things, but there's a mystique that we have, Matt. We all have, you know, I always, you know, we've added 11 million people since 2020. I mean, 20. 2000. So there were 18 million people in 2000. There's almost 30 million today. And we project 45 million by the year 2050 or more. And they're coming here for a lot of reasons, but we're the America that all America used to be. And that's what we're about. We love God. We love the flag. We love our police. We love our military. Um, we're going to fight for this country. And when Texans travel the world, Matt, uh, and someone says, where are you from? We don't say America. I mean, we love America. We say Texas. Yeah. People of Texas, you know, uh, whether they used to watch Dallas in the 80s, you know, um, uh, or or John Wayne or just the today Texas. They don't know where states like Delaware are. I mean, yeah. if you said I'm from Delaware, who would know? Oh, oh, they do now because they know where a Corvette is parked in a garage with a bunch of documents. But but, you know, people don't know, uh, you know, you're from Montana. Where's that? Well, I shouldn't I should take that back. Yellowstone has changed that. But but you get my yeah. point. I know. And I we understand. all have, and I like to say that the millions of people who have come here, that no one, Matt, has ever moved to Texas since I, I moved here in 79. No one's ever moved to Texas. They arrive here and Texas moves into them. Love that. And they get the cowboy hat and they get the boots and they learn it's rodeo, not rodeo. And we all get the DNA of Travis Bowie and Crockett. And damn it, we're going to fight for Texas and we're going to fight for the country and we're going to fight for the world. The world needs a strong America and a strong America must have a strong Texas because we're the ninth largest economy in the world. We've got it all. And, um, you know, they say in Texas, it's not bragging if it's fact. So we love America. We love Texas. And everyone's welcome. Just bring your Republican politics with you. Leave, check the other ones at the door. All right. Well, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, thank you for being on Liberty and Justice with me. Uh, everybody that watches this know that it premieres every Friday on CPAC Now, and it's distributed across all of the podcast networks, and everything I'm doing is on Whitaker.tv, uh, including this interview, discussion, and all my TV appearances. And so, Dan, thank you for your time. I really enjoyed it, and I uh, can't wait to see you again, my friend. Hey, Matt, thank you. It's been an honor to be on. You're a true patriot, and uh, we'll be working down the trail together. All right, my friend. See you all soon. Right. Bye-bye.